0: The Lord be with you. It is great to sit down again and share the Word of God and I want to look at that faith of Abraham which is the beginning of the faith that you and I shared today and specifically that faith as he received the blessing. If you are joining us for the first time tonight I strongly suggest you go back to the first of this series and listen so that you get the full drift of what we're saying but I trust that even if you, you've not heard that this message tonight will stand on its own two legs. I, I, I think uh, also I want to throw in some answers to some of the questions that you've been asking um, and, and it will all fit together I'm sure. So. We are looking at this word, the blessing. And the blessing, as I said at the very beginning, is one of the most hackneyed and ill-used words today. Uh, I mean, when you sneeze and someone says, God bless you, you know immediately you've sort of missed what the whole of Scripture is talking about. This is the first great word of God's relationship to us, it occurs as early as Genesis chapter 1. It is the theme of the Old Testament, and in the New Testament it comes into its fullest, everything the Old Testament has been anticipating. It comes into being in in the New Testament with the giving of the Holy Spirit. The word blessing means that it's a good word that is spoken to you from the heart of God. In fact, it's more than that. It's a word that is the very presence of God coming into you, infusing your whole person and life. And so the word means that you have been empowered. So, so it's not a word that informs you. It's not information. It's, it's a word that actually causes you to participate in what it is saying. And so it brings with it the, this good word from God, it is the empowering word. And it empowers you in your innermost being, where, where the, your core being, where you are who you are. your your essential person and it is there that this blessing assures you that you are the beloved of God and there you are strengthened in that love, there you respond to him and you walk in union with him. This is the heart of the blessing and then it affects your mind so that your mind becomes clear The Bible speaks of walking in the light. It speaks of being given supernatural understanding and wisdom. It comes into your emotions, only this time with a joy that is birthed by God the Holy Spirit, grants you a peace. It's the peace of God that passes all human understanding and you are strengthened in that peace and that joy. And it comes into your body for this blessing brings physical health. And healing, and it comes into your work so that as you go to your place of business, go to your factory, go to your school, you are endued with ability and power to do it in the strength of God, and it goes on to your extended world. And so along with this word blessing go other words in scripture like prosperity because prosperity, fruitfulness, success, these are all words associated with blessing and that's how God intended us to be. God never intended us to live a, a, a sort of a half-master life. We, we were never intended to drag ourselves through. We were never intended to sag our bodies on Friday and just dread the idea of Monday. We were created to be alive and alive in every dimension of our being and actually to impart life wherever we went. And you, you were never meant to be what today would be called an ordinary human being. You were created to be extraordinary. You were created to be, yes, a creature, but a creature united with God. That's the blessing. Incredible. And that word was spoken to mankind at the very beginning. And sin, which is another word that needs a lot of definition, but essentially sin was refusing the blessing. Man says, "I'll do it by myself. I'll find life in my own self-sufficiency." That's the heart of sin, and and, and he marginalizes God, and and that causes then darkness of the mind and darkness of the emotions and that's where all sickness and death came in and and so on and and what we're looking at in these last uh, weeks together is that God wouldn't give up on us This, uh, this is the amazing love the unconditional love of God the love of God that passes comprehension says the New Testament. A love that we can't find words to express it. That God would not give up on a mankind that said they didn't want him. What does he do? He joins himself to the family of Abraham and Abraham at that time was an idolater. He was a pagan. And yet God joined himself and said, I am going to bless you, and I am going to not only bless you, but through you, I am going to bless every family of the earth. What he was saying, we know now, is that he was putting into Abraham that genealogical line that would end in Jesus. So that for 2,000 years the descendants of Abraham, multitudes of them, they would know that in the midst of them, in one family within that multitude, there was one who carried the seed, that carried the life that would ultimately be Jesus and Jesus would be the fulfillment of the blessing given to Abraham, but now it's given to the whole world, every family of the earth. And today we call that blessing the gospel. That's the good word spoken. And that good word of the gospel comes to us in the power, the love power of the Holy Spirit that causes that to transform us on the inside in our core being and spill over into every area the blessing as I've just said and this is what I want you to understand that all that Jesus was and all that Jesus did and all that he achieved everything that comes to us through Jesus the blessing to the the spirit of man, to the mind and emotions, the body and everything we touch with our hands, everything comes to us now with the blessing through Jesus. But that was retroactive to Abraham. Now, I, I don't know if you can get that, But but what Jesus did was not merely an event in history, it was, there was a date to it, the clock was ticking, but it was not merely an event in history, it reached all the way back to the beginning, and it reached all the way forward to the end, so that when you read of persons of whom Abraham was the first in the Old Testament, and, and they had this faith in God that was retroactive from jesus they they were receiving the blessing because of what jesus would do i hope that makes sense but i i want you to understand in that that i've just said that jesus himself is the blessing you you see if i gave you this pen then you would take it and off you go you would go with the gift I've given you, but you wouldn't have to ever see me again. that That's one way of looking at a gift. But when we're speaking here of the blessing, the ultimate gift of God, he doesn't give an it to you that you go off with the it in your pocket. Rather, the blessing is the very presence of Jesus The the blessing is God giving himself to us. And so to receive the blessing means that we are bonded to him. We are one with him. We are in what the Bible calls a covenant union. And so whenever the Bible speaks of God's gift, it always speaks of that gift in terms of Jesus, the Son of God or God from God. The great text, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Which I say, if we had time to explain that, it means he gave God from God. God gave us God. And, and that's his gift, his very self. And that applies to the whole spectrum of the blessing. I said it, didn't I, a moment ago, that, that it involves our bodies, it involves the cells of our body, the atomic structure of our body, that that it is lifed by the life of God, that that's part of the blessing, it involves my work, it, it therefore involves the, the, the money that I get in return for my work, it involves the house I live in, it involves my possessions. It involves everything, and the New Testament is very plain on that. It said, he that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? And and, and Paul in Philippians 4 enlarges on that and says that his God, this God we're speaking of, He shall supply, and the word there means an abundance of supply, supply all of our needs. And that word need is speaking very specifically of our physical needs, our material needs. Life in all its aspects as it's lived in this world. The blessing covers that and it says it's in and because of and through Jesus. He is the blessing But he comes and embraces the totality of our lives and we're blessed. Now, why do I take time to say that? Well, you see, there are many persons, many persons, and they don't see that the gospel applies to anything more than our core self. That's about it, really, as far as they're concerned. Somewhere deep inside of them, they they sort of know they're loved by God, but that's about it. It's very ethereal, you understand, but no, the, the blessing and the testimony of every book in the Bible is to this, that the blessing is not something just that we sort of know deep inside of us, but it radiates With a beyond human love power to the extremities of our life. You are a favored person. You are blessed. That's what the blessing is. And as we've been seeing, how then do you respond to that? If it's the gift of God, how do we respond? And the answer is by faith. And faith becomes the very way in which this blessing of God operates among men. That's, that's how, how it works. We, we hear this. This is how it happened. This is how it happened to you. Every Christian, whatever part of the Christian church you may come from, this is how this happened to you. You heard Somehow you heard the word of God that announced to you in various ways what I've just said. It announced to you that Jesus is God from God. The way in which we come to the Father and we receive these blessings which are stored in the heart of God for us. We heard that. And we heard the word of God as truth, final truth, unchanging truth, the absolute is now the final reality of God, that which is utterly trustworthy. We hear it and when we hear it, how can I put it, our attention is drawn to it By the Holy Spirit. You might not have known there was a Holy Spirit at that time. But you were drawn to this. You you, you found a strange magnetism. And you were drawn. And there rose within you a longing, a yearning. You wanted this. And you realized it was for this you had been created. And you heard it. That. He has given to us. It's done in Jesus. He has given to us salvation. He's given to us in that salvation this blessing. And when we realize that he has done it, he has given it, it is so. And this word is announcing it so. Then our response, which is faith, is to say... It is so. Jesus is the Lord of all, the giver of the blessing. And I do indeed want him. I do indeed surrender to him. And I am accepted of him, for that is what the word said. And this confession, this speaking faith, it's finalized in baptism in which we say that we were crucified with Christ. What he did on the cross, we were more than involved. We were one with, together with him. We were buried with him, and our old lives were forever entombed with Christ. But when he rose in the power of a life that could not die, we rose with him. And in baptism, we're saying, it is so. He loved me. He gave himself for me. It is so. And in our confession, the Holy Spirit witnesses within. It's as if there's an echo in our spirit. We we say that it is so. All that he is and all that he did, he did for me and now in me And the Holy Spirit witnesses within me. Yes, it is so. And now the Holy Spirit becomes voice with my voice to call God my father. My daddy is the actual words of the scripture. It is so. It isn't something we logically thought out. It isn't something that our brains handed to us and said this makes sense. But rather, it was a heart matter that we knew now. The Holy Spirit witnesses within us, it is so. Or as we said a couple of weeks ago, faith is the substance. Faith is the evidence within us. We know it at a heart level. And we speak with assurance and with boldness. We know, we know and as I say, it moves into all of life. And as we go into life, we speak with assurance He is in me. He is with me. He's ahead of me. He is preparing the path of blessing. Okay, we, we've covered that. And we've looked at that in the life of Abraham. But I want now to look very specifically at something that we come to such a faith. Through doubts and fears. Now now don't freak out on me. I'm speaking the truth, not only the truth of Scripture, but the truth of your experience and mine. Uh, I, I what I've just said is very final, absolute, neatly locked up, done. But the fact is when we begin to walk that pathway, we come to that final faith through doubts and fears because this grace of god this this god who is the ultimate giver he always appears foolish to the natural mind it doesn't make sense that god comes to us and just gives his love to us and a love that gives blessing which unites us with himself, which provides for us, which protects us, which is everything that we need. That doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense that God himself should become human and die and rise again. And so the flesh, that, that's my mortal self, my, my, my self, self-sufficiency, the flesh, it, it pressures me to act uh, with more common sense, you understand. Surely you you have to add something to this, this faith that just says thank you and takes and then knows a witness of the Spirit. That doesn't make sense to my natural mind. And so we're, we're, we're believers and we're settled in rest that that's a strange thing we are and yet we're all not always in those first days months some people years they're wrestling with the rest they're, they're sort of they're, they're resting and all the time worried they're not resting and they they want to help god in this crazy thing that he's doing want to interfere with the simplicity of this blessing. But you see, the only way that we walk in this life is by the faith, which is the trust that simply abandons oneself to who God is revealed in Jesus and trust Him. It's the only way. It operates by faith alone alone by faith alone which will result in a totally transformed life but it operates by faith alone and anything else anything we want to add to that is short-circuiting this free gift of love in fact the, the bible says in Galatians 2 that we frustrate the grace of God and that's where I want to focus in tonight Uh, On those doubts and fears that that are, we, we have to face them. I suppose, in a sense, that you, it's almost a necessity, you find out how not to do it in order to know how to do it and never go back to how not to do it. And Abraham, because he was the first one. And and the blessing to him was the bringing forth of the son through whom, that son Isaac, through whom that son would come that line that would end in Jesus. And, and in Abraham we have this model of what faith is as he is looking to God to keep his word of giving him a son when he and his wife were far gone past any years of reproduction, and his faith, and the Bible spans it out, we have more information about Abraham than most when it comes to how his faith developed from a very little faith and a stumbling faith to a great faith, and I want to look head on at those diversions in Abraham's life as he comes, sort of, he's divided and he's on course, off course, but he's always moving toward faith. Faith is growing, but he stumbles, sometimes pretty seriously. But in the end, he comes to full assurance of faith. And in looking at this, And again, if you're looking for where I am in the scripture, I'm in Genesis chapter 12 all the way through to chapter 22. Just read those chapters. Uh, And in that time, especially these areas where he stumbled and fell, um, I want you to realize something and get it out of the way. We are dealing, in Genesis, you are dealing with the period of time um, that was 2,000 years B.C., and uh, that was a very different time and very different place to New York City in 2012. It's very, very different. The, the world of Abraham, very different to San Antonio or Chicago. You, you understand. Well, I know you understand, but I really want you to get it. That his history, the way things were in those days, is very far removed from us. And the customs that they had, some of them are horrific to us. And of course, Abraham was coming out from Ur of Chaldea, which was not only a pagan city, it was dedicated to idolatry. And then the society in which they lived was a very violent society. Human life was less than cheap. And all that seriously plays into what's happening here. And so remember, different time, different place, different worldview of people, idolaters, pagans, violent with customs that we couldn't even begin to think of today. You know, the amazing thing about this whole story is that it's amazing love. This is God's love from the first pages of the Bible. He settled in with Abraham and the family just as they were. Please, I want you to hear this. I mean I don't know how you think of Abraham most people think of him sort of again you know white woolly beard and funny lights around his head no abraham let me say it again was an idolater living in a pagan city the most corrupt pagan city in a in a world of darkness and chaos and god came to Abraham and settled into his family as he was. And he made that family his beginning point. You could say this is where it all begins. He's going to come into the human race through this family and ultimately through this family will actually incarnate. God will become flesh in Jesus, and Jesus is one of the descendants of Abraham. (laughs) I, I don't know if you've got this. Maybe it hasn't registered yet. God walked along the road of life with them even when they were still thinking like pagans. And their whole understanding of life was distorted and off. It's incredible. Incredible. I mean, I I jolly well know that there's many, many, many churches within a hundred miles of where I'm speaking and they wouldn't have let Abraham be a member of their church. Not yet, anyway. Get the chap cleaned up first. No. Uh, Hear me now. Abraham... And his family did not change their behavior in order to be cleaned up enough and good enough for God to come and join them and make covenant with them. God came to them as they were and they changed because he came and joined them in covenant just as they were. Do you get what I'm saying? Much of the believing world today has turned the whole thing on its head and and said, first of all, you get all cleaned up and nice and put on your Sunday suit, and then God will come to you. If you read your Bible enough and pray enough and go to church enough and clean up your life, at least while people are watching, then God will come. But no, that's the exact reverse to the Scripture. God came and stood in solidarity to people that were shocking, downright disgusting in some ways. That's it. He came to Abraham in Ur and he told him, get out of this place and actually get away from your relatives because they're all going to suck you back here. And, And so... The first stumbling steps. He, he obeyed God. Abraham left Ur. But, well, that bit about leaving my relatives behind, he took his father along. That cost him a long time because his father didn't want to leave very far from Ur. So they left and then stopped. And also he took Lot with him, his orphan nephew. And, and that's going to be trouble in the future. But they do eventually arrive in Canaan, which was the land that God said, I'm going to give it to you. This is where it's all going to happen, you see. There is one coming through you who shall bless every family of the earth. And this is where it's going to happen. I'm going to give you this land. This is where it's going to happen. This is where the blessing shall be enjoyed and worked out and from here fan out to the whole world. He traveled through the land. And, and how did he travel? I mean there were no motels. No, he traveled as, as the Bedouins traveled today. He'd have his camels, he would live in those big tents uh, of, of the, the near Middle Easterners today. And there'd be an enlarged family of servants and those that came along with. And that they go thus through Canaan. And as they go, the Lord assures him, this is the land of the blessing. This is it. And he traveled all the way through the land until he came right down to what today we call the Sinai Peninsula. And by the time he got down there, there was a famine in the land. No food. Everything dried up. And at that point, this is Abraham who has been blessed, promised the blessing. And now he looks around and there's no food and he has mouths to fill. And common sense... And flesh logic kicked in. I need food for myself and everyone traveling with me. What he has forgotten, and you know how that happens, as he left Ur, as as the Lord speaks to him upon his entrance into Canaan. Oh, that the, the, the ha, this is. Incredible. He's, he's living in the word of God that he is trusting and receiving a blessing. But then something happens. There's no food. There's a famine. And immediately he, he forgets, or should I say he's distracted away from the blessing by lack. I mean, there's no food And that takes over his head. What he does not see is God's abundance. Please understand this. It's what I was sort of getting at earlier on. The blessing, which is the gospel. It is salvation that ultimately comes to us in Jesus. Now in its beginning stages of being understood. That covered material needs if only I could get into your head into your heart that I might know you understand what I'm saying you see so many persons in these days especially in these United States have been taught that salvation is something to do with after you die It's something to do with praying vaguely to a distant God when you need help, uh, or, or praying just because you sort of should, or singing hymns because that's what you do on Sunday. I don't know, but the scripture shows us a salvation, a blessing that is not something buried inside of us, but extends to our material needs even in a famine. Abraham looked out and there was no food there in southern Canaan. What he could have seen if he'd understood the magnificence of the blessing, he could have seen that because he was blessed that he is in, what shall I say, a bubble of life. It might be death all around him, the, the fields might be filled with dead plants because the sun beats down and everything's a desert. But he's blessed. Did you understand this? The blessing of God affects our material lives. It it may indeed be a famine all around, but he's in, I'll use the word again, a bubble, a life. He is favored of God. He is not the ordinary person that's living in famine. He is this extraordinary person who is clothed with the blessing of God, which means fruitfulness, where apparently there isn't any, and supply, where I don't see any supply. The blessing Included provision and protection. But Abraham was distracted. I'll use that word. Diverted. He got focused on emptiness. Focused on lack. Instead of focused in trust. Upon the God who said I supply your needs. That's part of the blessing. It's interesting, Jesus used the term little faith. He used it more than once. Oh, you of little faith. And you go through the Gospels and underline every time he said that, you will find it's to do with material life. And when he's speaking about anxiety, and he quotes the people saying, what should we eat? What should we put on? It's all about this material life. And he said, oh, you have little faith, little faith. And I could go on from there. It's every time. It was when the storm came. And as the storm rages, the disciples are terrified and they wake up Jesus. And his first response is, where's your faith? It's little faith. It's it's somehow faith that can take in the big stuff. I, I know many persons who can say they have faith that they'll go to heaven when they die, and yet they fall apart when it comes to tomorrow's groceries, and, and where shall I find the money for the children's shoes and clothes and so on. It, little faith. It, it's somehow compartmentalizes God that he's into the big stuff eternal stuff I am left with the material no salvation reaches over all And, and the result was oh terrible result he decides he's going to go into Egypt to find food until this famine's over in so saying, saying, "God, you can't look after me. I'll be looking after myself until this is over. But that brings up another issue, because in Egypt, there's a lot more people, a lot more powerful people, violent people than in Canaan. and, and an old pre-faith fear was triggered. Something way back there in Ur, just as they're about to leave Ur. You see, in the days in which they lived, these days I talked about, so unlike ours, if a man wanted a woman, he would kill the husband to get her. No questions asked. And so, when they were leaving Ur, Abraham came up with this crazy plan because in actual fact Sarah, his wife was actually a kind of sister in that she, she was sister but it was separated so She was daughter of the mother as Abraham was son of the father, but that was about where it ended. They they were, I suppose you could say, step brother and sister. But in those days which were very close to the Great Flood, the laws were not given yet as to who could marry who. And and so they were married. But they were they were pretty close. In in relationship. So Abraham said look. If any man comes along. And he's going to kill me to get you. Just say that I'm your brother. I'll say you're my sister. And then he'll take you. But I'll still be alive. And there still might be hope for us. I think that's a terrible plan. But that's what they did. And as I say. They're still dragging their old baggage along with them. And so here in Egypt. Suddenly. Suddenly. The look in the men's eyes. And Abraham's coming in with quite an entourage. With his camels and donkeys and tents and flocks and herds. Draws attention. And the old fear triggers up. And he is filled with anxiety. This is it. We're we're facing. We're, We're facing this possibility, possibility of me being killed and so they fell back on the old plan and the Pharaoh the king of Egypt He heard the reports of this woman that this wealthy man had brought in. And so he sends for her and determines that he is going to have her in his harem. She will be one of the wives of the Pharaoh. And Abraham says, she's my sister.